Anyone that doesn't have a Sunday school book, we still have some, so. That's what we buy them for. Buy them to take and take home. Take home and study. Take home and read it. That's what we buy them for. You can use them for a fan, but that's not the reason we buy them. <laughs> Praise God, no. We want them to be used. Got some good lessons. Um, chosen generation. You know, being chosen, it's, it's, it's what the lessons kind of focus on this morning, but... Not only that, but but as an individual, but even as a generation. You know, every generation fa faces something a little different. And um, sometimes it depends on just what all's happened in that generation. You can look back and uh, if, you, if you go back to the generation that come through the Depression and right after it, a lot of that generation is very prone. They don't throw anything away. Sometimes they're accused of, you know, pat rat, things of that nature, especially today. But uh, they come through a time when they didn't have anything. So you, you took little. You had to make much out of it. And so you was geared and shaped and formed to, to you, you, you held on to it because you might need it tomorrow. It might be something that you can... Uh, so we see and we realize that even generations sometimes you can take, I believe you can take people and different people and put them in different geographical locations and it'll help shape and form them and their descendants from that. It's so even likewise the church and the spiritual world that we're living in. You're going to take this country 50 years ago the morals, the understanding of those morals, the understanding of what got us where we were at. Man, when you study history, the presidents and their willingness, and in fact, it was expected of them. If they didn't quote the Bible, if they didn't know something about the Bible and, and put uh, recognition and acknowledge God, uh, their chances of being voted in would come a lot slimmer. But as you can tell, as time has went on, a lot of that's changed. In fact, it's almost flopped, the opposite. So, you and I are chosen for this generation, this hour, this time. Responsibility's still there, and the help's still there, but we just have to make up in our own minds and hearts. And uh, no doubt, even the Apostle Peter probably didn't quite understand to the fullness but time as we just sung. Sometimes times help us to understand some events and things that's happening and why they're happening. That can be to the good and to the bad. That can be to the to, to what's uh, acceptable and what's not acceptable. What, what founded and grounded this nation as a great nation is because we, we believed in God. 
We may not all worship Him in the fullness, but yet there is a principle, there was a foundation laid there that they believed in a God, and they believed in eternal judgment, and they believed that they was going to give an account for their deeds. And so with that understanding, they read what was called the Word of God. And in reading the Word of God, even without maybe coming to the full, what we call the plan of salvation and, and the recognition of that, but they read enough and understood enough that their actions and deeds, was, they was going to give an account for it, not only in this life, but in that life to come. That's one thing has slipped from our generation. They almost live and exist like there is no God and there's not going to be in a judgment or the fear of judgment had just slipped away from them. That's one reason our prisons and jails are so filled up, amen, because, you know, in fact, we've, we've almost raised a generation where uh, they just soon be in jail as be outside. I mean, because they got food, they got shelter. And so, and don't, well, just take it wherever you want to take it. I'm not worried about all that no more. I'm, I'm getting over some of this now. I don't get, I want to get aggravated, but at the same time, um, it's a spiritual thing that's happening. It's a blindness that's taking place. It's a, it's results, amen, of what has been, you know, whatever you sow, that's what's coming up. And that's not just as individual. That, amen, affects our society. It affects our community. Amen. It, and, and so if, if, if you sow to unrighteousness and you give yourselves over to things of that nature, then that's what's coming and that's what's going to happen to the next generation. We've all been taught, even among the one God's apostolic people, amen, standards of holiness. If one generation wants to wear them here, but the next one wears them here, the next one's going to wear them here, the next one's going to wear them here. Before long, we're going to be naked. But, uh, I mean, it's just it goes and uh and and it becomes accepted and okay and uh but thank god for the book thank god for the word of god but you and i have the responsibility amen is what this lesson talks about here as a chosen vessel amen and not just stand as a chosen vessel it's really not about us it's about jesus christ it's about who we're representing it's about who's our maker who's shaping us what's forming us and everybody's being shaped everybody's being formed amen you believe that or not amen but uh, everybody's under the sound of my voice amen we're all are being influenced and we're all being guided and that can be from self or it can be from other resources or a combination and a lot of times a combination of of both Amen. And so as we watch even this, and, and the key character of our lesson today is no doubt was Saul that became Paul. Amen. And, and the lesson's going to help us to understand that this, this choosing of us is really not about ourselves, but it's uh, the, that, that as we've been chosen of God and anointed of God, that the impact that we could have on others around us. You know, we, we kind of, if we're not careful, we'll come through a stage and, and we'll think, well, it's just me. It's nobody but me. I'm but everybody impacts somebody. I don't care who you are, how small, how great you are. And you never know that whenever you may encounter such as Stephen encountered to Amen or Saul. And I do believe that even at that day that Saul felt something, experienced something. Amen. And even though he continues on, and we'll talk about some of that, Amen, in his, his 
determination, even though he was doing it, he felt and believed at that moment in his life. Because he goes on later on, tells us, he said, I've done this through ignorance. Amen. But let me tell you something. God goes on and tells us in the book of Acts that he's not going to wink at ignorance any longer. Why? Because we got the word of God. Amen. And we got the, the, the God himself and creation. There's so much to, 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 uh, to guide us and to speak to us and to cause us to, to be stirred up and to be wakened up out of that uh, as a lot of times referred to 400 years of darkness and time that God did not speak unto them. And then here comes John the Baptist and here comes Jesus Christ. And so with all that coming now, that's what God's saying. He said, I'm not going to wink at that any longer. Ignorance and, and just, you know, playing some kind of game. I heard Brother Wilson, he, he made a story and uh, it wasn't what a story. He was told a story, but he finally figured out. He said, hey, this is just a little story somebody's telling me because uh, he said that a guy come up to him and, and one day and told him, said, hey, man, I went to a funeral the other day and he said, uh, he said, I really didn't know how to respond to him. He said, they began to talk about the friend, the friend that was in the casket, and said uh, how they, they, they was his friend and how they that, that worked. They, he began to tell him, he said, man, he said, you know, he said, I, I think I need, I need to pray. I need to start going to church. He said, oh, no, man, don't go to church. Don't pray. Don't, he said, I, I ought to get me. He said, no, don't get you no Bible. He said, if, if you won't go to church and if you don't pray and if you don't get a Bible, he said, you know, you won't be held accountable to none of that. And he went on a little further, different things. And, and um, finally, Brother Wilson, he looked at the guy and said, hey, you, you, you make it. He, and he was. But that's the opinion of a lot of people. Playing the game of ignorance. If we're not careful, we play the game also. There's two things, and I know I've mentioned this here lately, but uh, two main topics that nobody wants to talk about. Politics. But they talk more about politics than they do the Lord. <laughs> And the word of God. But both of these are the two most powerful things that's on the earth. That affects us. Even we're instructed by the word of God to pray for our leaders. That we might live a peaceful life. So. We're a chosen generation. I know we sometimes we all may make the statements. Boy, I wish I'd have been born here, born there, born whatever. Well, that goes a long ways, too, from the color of the skin to geographical locations to whatever. You know, if we're not careful, we're so uncontent. We're not content with nothing. But thank God, you know, through Jesus Christ, through the revelation, through, as the Scripture is going to talk about this morning, called out of darkness. Praise God. Thank God for the call. Thank God that we heard it. And thank God that we respond to it. And God now is just as important. And maybe, and at times, I feel more important. God help us stay with it. You know, there's one thing to be delivered out of something. But I think it's a, even a different ball game to be kept out of it. So, focus first this morning. Amen. Or a focus thought. As a chosen generation, we must share our testimony with the world. We must share our testimony with the world. I believe there's a number of ways to sharing that testimony. We may talk about it, you know, here and there, but, but there is. There's a number of ways, amen. Uh, and it's not just the, the, with, with the mouth. That's important. You've got to make confession. You've got to make confession to him. You've got to confess him before all men. He said, if you don't, if you're ashamed of me, then I'm going to be ashamed of you before the Father. You've got to do that. You got to be wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove in doing that. And it's got to be, amen, that it's under the power and the inspiration of God, of the glory of God and not self. 
We're not in some kind of competition with somebody. Well, I just jumped out of the box here on this hand. I've just kind of... But, but that's the way it is. But the, the testimony, amen, goes some different ways. And, and, and probably some of the most important way of the testimony is our spirit. Our attitude. Our conduct. Our response has far more value than a lot of that other. What do you mean by that? Well, I can tell you that I, I can confess and say I'm a millionaire. Okay? Or a billionaire. But there's other ways of seeing if it's true or not, right? <laughs> uh, what you wear, what you drive, places you live. How you talk, how you respond to situations. What do you mean by that? Well, if you're a billionaire and your car breaks down, I mean, you may grumble gripe just to have the inconvenience of it, but you don't get all beside yourself and, hey, look, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. Washington tears up. You know, you don't, you don't get so, I, I just don't, I don't have no money. I don't know. You know, because you have a resource. I can go buy a new one. The Bible calls us a city that's on a hill that cannot hide its light. No matter how dark it gets, how, how bright it may even be, even in the noonday, this light that we've been called into and the darkness we've been called out of as a chosen generation. is more important today in America than anything else. Statistics will tell you that 95% of the American people are going to heaven. You don't believe it? Start asking them. You can sit on the bar stool beside them. They're going to heaven. You can go down to casinos. I'm just telling you. If there's ever been a, uh, a call or a responsibility to be a testimony, to be a witness, a true witness, it's in our generation of that separation. And, and the core of it, the power of it, and the demonstration of it. So, let, let's watch this. First Peter 2 and 9. But he are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that he should watch, show forth the praises of him who hath what called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Show forth the praises of him to acknowledge the hope, another place the writer talks about, the reason of the hope that's in you. 
you know, what, what do you find that help? What do you find that energy? What do you find that strength? Man, especially when you got somebody's walking side by side with you dealing with the same situation, the same dilemma. And there is a difference of daylight and dark between the response of the two. So let's look at the lesson. I'm going to probably use a lot of scriptures. I got several. All these little flags of scriptures I'm going to try to use besides the three pages I got. And I'm going to do my best. (laughs) Amen. Um, First of all, I'm going to talk a little bit about the chosen part. The chosen part because there's a lot. I'm going to just use Matthew. Uh, to start out with that, we'll start seventh chapter. I'm just going to use a couple of verses there. Then I'm going to go to a couple of other chapters, a couple of parables. Because I, first of all, I want you to understand, amen, the chosen part. The scriptures, it's very plain. We've heard this a lot, but I'm, I'm going to back to it. I'm going to mention it. But in Matthew 7 and 13, he says, Enter in at the straight gate. That is S-T-R-A-I-T. That means straight means it's it's, it's like a little narrow place that's not easily found, but it's an entering into a, like a big body of water. But the actual entrance into it, unless you uh, search for it, seek for it, and diligently desire to find it, you won't find the entering into it. That's the type of strength they're talking about here. It, it, it's, it's small. You're not just going to, you're not just by chance are going to find it. But that's a reason unless the Spirit of God draws you. That's the reason you've got to have a preacher. And that's the reason you've got to have the Word of God. And it's by these means and methods, uh, amen, that the Spirit draws. That's the reason you and I, the Bible in Acts 1 and 8, talks about after receiving the Holy Ghost to make us what? Witnesses. What makes us the witnesses? The Spirit they feel flowing through us. It's not us as an individual. Yes, it's important to we talk right, we live right, and we do right. But we can do all of that and be absent of the Holy Ghost and not be the witness we need to be. Only witness that would be a conforming witness. And there's a difference in being conformed and transformed. There's a difference. You conform something by building something stronger than what it is on the outside and letting it shape to it. But being transformed happens from on the inside and is transformed out. And when you're transformed on the inside, it shows up on the outside. And and so you're going to notice here, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth into life. Few there be that find it. Few there be that even find the very entrance to it. Go from that. You can go to Matthew, uh, the 20th chapter. Again, we'll just use a couple of parables right quick here. And uh, just, just trying to maybe lay a little foundation here on some things. This in here is actually the parable of the, of the hired laborers. You know it probably well, maybe better than I do, even from 20, Matthew 21 through 16. And uh, you know how that he talks about the kingdom of heaven. 
how it's like to a man or a householder. Householder here can be known to as a master of the house or as a landowner. And so as you look at this, he goes out early in the morning. This is about 6 o'clock in the morning. This early part is about 6. Goes out in the marketplace. He hires some. He makes an agreement with some for a penny a day, which is about the Roman hire, average hire of the particular day in that time. And so he hires them. They make an agreement. They go into his vineyard. And from about 6 until about 6 in the evening, it's about a 12-hour work. That is the day. That's what it's, what it's like in the two. And so he starts going back out to the marketplace. And he goes back out to the ninth hour. Now, he don't make any agreement with them on what he's going to pay them. He just tells them, amen. And so they're in agreement with him, amen, that they'll come and work in the vineyard and for the pay. And so there's some, a man that's going to go at the ninth. There's some at the 11th hour. There's going to be some even up to the third. And actually all the way until the fifth hour. I mean, the last hour, the five o'clock in the evening, the 11th hour, which would be five o'clock, amen, in the afternoon that's actually brought in. And so they go and only spend an hour into this vineyard and this landowner's uh, uh, provision, amen, and he labor and work for him. So at the end of the sixth, he, he sends and they come in and he starts paying them. And he starts in reversing how he hires them. Amen. The one that was only there for an hour gives him a penny. Right on, right on. And so there's really no big deal until he gets to those that he hired at 6 o'clock in the morning. And when they get their, their, their what they had agreed to be paid, amen, they begin to mumber and they begin to complain. And he calls one to see, say, hey, hey, wait, wait a minute now. Now, didn't we agree? Have I, have I been unjust? Have I been unfair? This is what we agreed to. Am I right? And, and, you know, but, but he compared himself to those that was previous to him that didn't work near the time. He said, hey, they didn't labor through the, the, the heat of the day and, and all the, the whole 12 hours, you know, and complaining about it. And finally, but he tells him. And so, but the last part of that verse is what I want to talk about for just a second or bring to our attention. And in that 16th verse, he says, so the last shall be first and the first last. For many be called, but few are chosen. Few are chosen. I still ponder one sometimes, you know, when it talks about, amen, the widow. It talks about certain ones even in the Old Testament. How that, does that mean that the call of God didn't go out in Israel? But there was no response. And so he had to go outside of Israel. To find a little widow woman that would sustain It's a likening, amen, into the Gentiles. Because when the Jews and Israel rejected God and the Jehovah God, and even Paul is going to address that a little later on, amen, as he would carry the gospel to the Jews, and they rejected it, and then he turns to the Gentiles. This is where it's very important for you and I as chosen vessels of God, that we don't belong to ourselves any longer. We belong to Him. Wherever He calls us to go, if that's to one or to thousands, is that, if that's to a local assembly or a small community or to a city where there's millions, it's His call, and He's the one that does the choosing. And the real key for the vessel now is to Understand as being chosen by him as the vessel. It's what's important. It doesn't matter about the size of the church. It doesn't matter about the size of the congregation. It doesn't matter if you had to walk across the road to your neighbor. 
or if you had to get in a jet and fly to the other side of the world. Am I talking to us this morning? But we're his vessels and chosen for his service. And that's not as easy to do as some may think. We're pronged and subject to be geared and shaped and fashioned and formed by our own times. I'm going to preach a little bit tonight by the help of the Lord. And uh, I don't, well, we'll just, we'll see. Um, the other part of it is going to go to the 22nd chapter of Matthew again. And by, I'm not touching a lot of these by, by far. There's so many others that we could have went to. Here at the 22nd chapter, again, it's a wedding banquet. And uh, there had been, again, it's like in all of these parables likened to the kingdom of, of heaven, kingdom of God, okay, to enter in, to, to become a part, to, to be invited. And to, so here he likens it to a king, a certain king that had a marriage for his son. And so it was those that he actually had bidden. In other words, he had sent invitations to come. Be a part of it, and the date was set, the, the preparation of the meal, and all was prepared. And then, whenever he sends servants to get them, they become begin with excuses from buying land, different things. You can read the parable and see it's a couple of times throughout the scripture. Talks about the different tribes, why they had excuses, or why they was not able to come. And so he goes from that, and he goes on. He says, "So I've sent other servants, saying, tell them which are." Behold, I have prepared. And he drops on down, he says, and they made light of it. And farms, different things. Let me drop on down. Then he goes from that. The king heard, therefore, and he became very wroth. And he sent forth his armies to destroy those murderers and burnt up their cities and said unto his servants, The wedding is ready. And he goes out now and he says, Go out into the highways, and many she shall find and bid to marriage. And so those servants went out in the highways and gathered together all the many that they could find. All right, they found in both bad and good. And the wedding was furnished with guests, both bad and good. They was all from different types and walks and styles. Amen. invited to this wedding. Now, notice what happens here. When the king came in to see the guests, he saw there was a man, one, which had not on a wedding garment. If you do a little research and study on this, the garment was supplied by the king. All the guests that were invited, regardless of their walks and styles and positions and money and no money and whatever, didn't matter. When they came and arrived to the wedding, the king supplied the garment for them to put on, to be a part of his guest. So whenever he would come in to his guests, they would all look alike. He could not pick one out from the other. Regardless of what walks they came from, regardless if they were just a farmer or a doctor, a tax collector, a fisherman, or just some poor beggar on the side of the road, because he supplied the garment. God has supplied it. But when he came to, to greet the guest, there was one. Did not have the garment on. King said unto the servant, let me back up. He saith unto him, friend, how camest thou in here not having a wedding garment? 
The Bible says, and he was speechless. He was without excuse. Writers of the apostle has let us know that you and I, that if we have been introduced to the gospel, if we have tasted and seen that this is good, that on that day, we will be without excuse. We'll be without excuse. That tells me that if I'll just humble myself and yield to myself and just put my trust in God and, and just, you know, because sometimes that's what it takes to be that witness, to be that chosen vessel. When, when, as we sung the song, we'll understand it better by and by, but, but that until we get to that by and by, there's the key. <laughs> you got to get to that by and by stuff. So, he simply looks, and the king says, Bind him, hand and foot, take him away, and cast him into the outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. You know, you hate to be the bearer of bad news. We're living in a country today that feels like everybody's going to heaven and nobody's going to hell. But you can't find that in the Scriptures. You can't find that. And I know we can liken this unto the world. I understand that. But at the same time, amen, we got a book. We got a Bible. We got the Word of God. And as a chosen vessel, amen, to, to carry this gospel, to carry this truth, to be the, the barrier of, of His Spirit and of His heartbeat, to be chosen to do that is going to mean something. And so, as, as we watch some of this in this lesson today, even with a man, and we're going to go straight on end as we look into even the Apostle Paul here. A man, we know the, the, the conversion took place in Acts 9. And, uh, but if you don't mind, I want to back up a little bit to Acts 8. A man, just prior to this, to give us a little idea of what's unfolding, what's taking place. Uh, you know that this was a promise. You go back to Acts, the first chapter, the Luke, the last, last chapter. It talks about Jesus Christ. He's giving instruction to the disciples. He's telling them what to do. He's telling them to wait on the upper room. Amen. To tell him, wait, amen, for the promise of the Father to come. He didn't tell them how it was going to come. They didn't really know, but, but they knew and he knew that when it showed up, you're going to know it. You know when the Holy Ghost shows up. Okay, you know when you feel the spirit of truth. You know that. Now, if you respond to it, you obey it, you know, that's a different ball game. But that's still, you know, you and I, we have experienced it. We know. We know when the atmosphere changes and the presence and the power of God and the heart of God. We know it when it's in services. Amen. Just the song that we started out with this morning, when I stepped into his presence. You know when you arrive in that area in worshiping, in prayer, in a service, in your life. Amen. I still can tell you and take you back to the very first time that I was in a Pentecostal service. I felt something, amen, that I knew and I'd been raised in what we call church in a sense in the world a figure of church all my life. Amen. But I knew, hey, there's something different here. There's something far different here. It's something, I don't know it. I don't understand all it, but I know one thing. This is different. And it wasn't no need to try to deny it or anything else. It was just the truth. And so, here, Paul, a man, Saul at this particular time. And uh, if you back up to the 8th chapter, you're going to see 
some actions and deeds and, and the type of fellow that he was and what he said out. And you know this story. You know everything about it. But I, I want to I bring all this back out again this morning to help us what happens when you're transformed, when you're called out of darkness into his marvelous light. Amen. And you know what? I, th- I so thank you God's still working on us. I mean, there are some goals I want to achieve. There are some goals I want to obtain. Amen. And living for God and, and doing a work for God. Amen. I'll be, I'll be the first to tell you I haven't arrived. Amen. Where I have a passion, a desire to walk and to be a man. And so we're going to press on. We're going to march on. And you know, because I know this God can transform us and transform this church. Hey, I thank God for all the blessings. I thank God for all the moves of God and all of that. But I'm telling you, I believe the spiritual plateau is a lot higher than where we're at. Because why? Because we've been called out of darkness into a marvelous light. And you know, you never quit walking in the light. You never quit walking in revelation. I can ask some of these that's been in church 40 and 50 years and ask them, do you ever read the read? Have you ever read the word of God in the last week or two and all of a sudden something else just kind of pops out? Oh, yeah. Never seen that. I tell you what, I heard Brother Wilson say one time, and he'd been preaching 50-something years, and, and he said, man, he said, I've heard preaching sometimes. He, he said, man, I hear that preacher preaching, and, and it may be a young preacher. He, and he said, man, he'll preach something. He said, man, as long as I've been preaching, reading, studying about it, I ain't never seen that. You wonder why? He said, because the word of God's alive. It's living, it's alive, it's moving, it's, it's you know, and so, so that's, that's what it's all about. None of us as an individual, amen, is ever going to, uh, to captivate that and have all the knowledge and have all the, in fact, we better guard some of that. That's what got the devil in trouble. Pride. Pride. Man, it's about, it ain't about us, it's about him and Jesus Christ. It really is. So anyway, anyway. So when you look back at the 8th chapter here, in, in the first part of that particular chapter, and Saul was consenting unto his death. He's talking about Stephen here. If you go back to the 7th chapter and the death that, that, that Stephen, the first martyr of the church, the New Testament church, and how, how Saul is playing a part in this and, and involved in what's happening, what's taking place here. And so in this 8th chapter, and at that time there was a great persecution Against the church, this is what helped fulfill Acts 1 and 8, believe it or not. Amen to the uttermost parts. It was supposed to start in Jerusalem, but he wasn't supposed to stay in Jerusalem. Now, I don't know if that was out of disobedience or, or just whatever. But anyway, this persecution began to cause this gospel to be carried out of the place called Jerusalem. Amen. They began to carry this thing to other places, Samaria, different places. And that's this particular chapter, that's what it's talking about. Samaria, Philip, amen, it goes. But it said, which is at Jerusalem, which was all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea, Samaria, except the apostles now. But uh, it was others that received it, such as those, amen, that were serving tables. Uh, Philip was one of them, amen. Now he becomes the advantage. He goes in Samaria. You know the story in this particular chapter. A devout man carried Stephen to his burial place, a great limitation over him. As for Saul, the third verse, he made havoc of the church. Havoc actually means, amen, that he ravaged, destroyed, or defiled the church. He was with everything, every ounce of energy, all that was in him. Amen. He was working against the body of Christ. He was working against the church. He was working to put it out. He was working to destroy it. He was working, amen, to to put a stop unto these believers that called on Jesus Christ. To the point, amen, that he was willing, and it goes on to talk about that. Entering into every house, their place of safety, their place of security. Their place of prophecy. And we get upset. <laughs> we get upset if we think somebody's eavesdropping in on our phone calls. And if we're not careful, not the right light to shine. 
<laughs> Boy, we weren't expecting this, was we? <laughs> Hallelujah. But it's the truth. Hallelujah. Here they are. He's coming into every house. It doesn't matter who they are, where they were, whatever. If they called themselves a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ, he come busting up in their house. He probably didn't even knock. I don't know how, he, he might have been one of them experts, you know. This might have been where the lawman got it. <laughs> now, we brag on that when you're busting out of the, the places where the devil's got you locked up. We, we, we're all for it whenever. <laughs> well, it's a different story, though, when they're kicking in ours. I'd love to tell you that when God converted Saul, that, that's, that stopped that spirit, that stopped that warfare, but it didn't. It didn't. There's others that took it up. And as you, you watch the life of Saul, it didn't take him, up, didn't take him long. Amen. That he's on the other side of the fence now. And he became the main target. We're going to kill him. We even had some that was willing to fast. <laughs> no drinking, no eating until we kill him. I wonder how Saul responded to that. Just think about that, okay? Think about it. Now there is a difference. And this is where you got to this is where you and I are going to have to walk. If it's for the gospel's sake and for the kingdom's sake, we better handle that different. If it's somebody just wanting to be a bully or a smart aleck, you can handle that different. But you better know where you stand because that's, that's, here's the deal. If you're not standing in the right place, God can't stand with you. Standing in the right place and doing it right. Guess what? The God of the heavens will stand with you. If it becomes necessary, he'll send angels to encamp around you. Those of you at Friday night heard Brother Alviar talking about the guy coming in. A hit man that had been hired to kill him. Come into the services Monday nights. First time he just left, second time he comes back. We got so much pressure on him. Couldn't do it. He actually has the machete out coming toward him. Brother Alvar said, all I could do is holler Jesus, Jesus, and said he paralyzed him. He couldn't move. Couldn't come any further. Do we believe this stuff or not? I know we're in America. I know it's a lot easier to tote a gun on our side than depend on that. I'm not throwing, I'm not throwing stones. I'm not trying to be ugly. I'm just telling you what's trying to shape us and fashion us. And form us. I can name a few guys in this community that claims to be big Christians. When they put on their pants, they put on their gun. And they walk into any public place and everywhere else with it. Well, what are you trying to say? What are you trusting? 
What are you depending on? That may misfire. I'm not totally against that, but at the same time, I'm not for us to all go back to the West and start wearing our tied-down guns either. I'm not for us that all of a sudden got to make sure none of the babies played with none of the ladies' purses because they got two or three pistols in it. We're called out of darkness into His marvelous light. Now we have access to a power and authority that's above the earth and all the powers of the earth, including the devil. And this is the power that you and I have got to activate. This is the reason that when Paul was stoned to death, all of a sudden, out that grave of those stones, everybody's watching, observing. Here he comes. And I can only imagine as he made his way back into that city, probably one of the first ones that was throwing a stone. Watch him come. I bet he's a little more hesitant about picking up another stone. We're going to get there. Because this is the very thing that happened to Paul. Saul at this particular time. That causes so much trouble and heartache. He went into every house, hauling men and women, committing them to prison. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere, what? Preaching the word. At least they didn't quit preaching the word. Preaching the word. When we get to our lesson text, you, you watch some of, well not just the lesson text, but some of the other. He goes on to that. He goes on drops down. And the people of the one accord gave heed to those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with loud voices came out of many, was possessed with them, and many taken to pausing, and the lame was healed, and there was great joy in that city. So we see when preaching the word, hearing the word, believing the word, obeying the word. Man, this, these are the type of things that can happen and take place. Picks up in the ninth chapter now. Saul yet still bringing out threatenings and slaughters against the disciples of the Lord to the high priest, desired to them letters to go to Damascus synagogues that he found any in. Notice, this, notice these words. This way, if you look at the scriptures closely, at that particular time, amen, it was called the way. Anytime they mentioned the way, it was talking about those that was followers of Jesus Christ. It was talking about those that had experienced the Acts 2.38 experience. It's what they're talking about. And they likened unto it as the way. Amen. So, as he... Journeys there on his way to Damascus. The Bible says, suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. Later on, I think in Acts 22, you get the testimony of Jesus Christ when he's given it to, he likens it unto brighter than the noonday sun. A man that had, had moved upon him, had smoked him, had, 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 had basically had knocked him off his beast and, and on the ground. And, and so you're going to notice some things that begin to happen. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why? 
persecutest thou me. Now, notice how Paul responds unto this. Who art thou, Lord? Now, remember who Saul is. Remember, he's doing all of this as in the name of, the, of God. Saul believed in one God. He didn't have no problem with that. And so when this voice and this power smoked him and moved him, amen, he cries out, who art thou, Lord? Because he believed in one God. Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. The pricks, you know what a prick is? It's like a gourd. It was a, it's a long stick with a pointed end that they gorge animals with. It's hard to kick against the pricks. It's, that hasn't changed today. We may not, in the physical sense, no more than Paul was in the physical sense, but yet Jesus likens it unto that. Amen. So whenever we try to do things that's outside the will of God, we try to do things just not, amen, uh, as a chosen vessel. And, and, and even the world out there, they can claim and believe. Uh, you hear people say, well, me, the man upstairs got it all worked out. The only way you'll get it worked out with the man upstairs is obey the word of God. Outside of that, you don't have it worked out. The word of God forever settled in heaven. It's not going to be changed. You know, that's just, that's just the way it's going to be. And so, so you're kicking against the prick, you know, the very thing that's Gordon, the very thing that's trying to get you in the direction and doing the labor and accomplishing the things. You can't kick against it. Amen. you got to submit or humble or yield yourself to it. And so this is basically what he's telling him here. Amen. And he's trembling and astonished. Huh. I'm going to talk about that a little bit Wednesday night. Amen. About the trembling part. How long has it been since we have actually trembled at the word of God? That realization got a hold of us. It got a hold of our minds. It got a hold of our heart. It got a hold of our spirit. That if I'm not ready to meet God today, and did I tremble about it? Did the word cause me to tremble? Amen. Did this thing, fearful thing to face eternity without being right with God, my maker? What will thou have me to do? He said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must. Put an option here. These are the words of Jesus Christ. This loving Savior, this caring Savior, this long-suffering Savior is telling him what he must do. <coughs> Excuse me. And so, they journey with him. They take a man because as they all stood there speechless, hearing the voice, but not seeing a man. And so Saul rose up from that, and he makes his way, amen, to, uh, to Damascus. And there, Ananias, I'm not going to go through the whole chapter, but Ananias, uh, the Lord moves on Ananias. He has a disciple there. He moves up on him. He says, hey, I've heard of this man called Saul. Much persecution gets a church. But he said, hey, he's praying. He's a chosen vessel. If you read the scriptures on through, he tells and informs Ananias that Saul is a chosen vessel. A special chosen vessel. He's not, he's not, he's not going to be the norm. He's not going to be. And, and you know, we can, we can you know, battle with that, struggle with that, whatever. But I'm telling you, there's, there's not, you know, he, he was a special vessel. Okay? 
Uh, he's going to carry this gospel of the Gentiles. He's going to he's going to suffer a lot of persecution. He's going to deal with a lot of things. He he gives us a little insight of all of that. So to say that you want to be Apostle Paul, you may want to go and read the, his pedigree. A man of all the stripes, all the shipwrecks, all the times of starving, all the times of fasting, all the approaches, and all the the battles, and his, and times even though he had wrestled with lions, he was wrestling with spirits of men. I mean, there's there's a lot more to that than a lot of people may realize. Understand, you know, we we want to we want to want to tap in a man to the when the handkerchiefs are brought to him, they prayed over him and and the miracles and things that happened, and that's true. But yet there is a price, and there was a price even for Paul. So it took such an experience, such a transforming experience with Saul to Paul here, Amen. To to be prepared and to be ready. Now notice now as a chosen vessel. As you read the scriptures on, what does he do? And I, I'm going to preach a little bit, maybe in, even on this same line tonight. I'm just going to mention it this morning. Amen. He does not confer with flesh and blood. But he spends some three years along and by himself with God. Possibly these are the times that he has some of the, the experiences of not, I don't even know if I'm in the body or out of the body but experiences into the third heavens. But he gets such a revelation and such an insight and understanding of the old, Testament being fulfilled and the plan of salvation and even the teaching and preaching amen instructions unto the Gentile people because amen what's going to transpire what's the change is going to take place from the law and keeping certain certain things and what was fulfilled and keeping the right balance and what needs to be connected and worked out and and you know if you go to the 15th chapter Acts he's one of the main ones that goes to that the first conference meeting that we read about and how to deal with the Gentiles and how to instruct them and the four things that they're forbidden from and and, you know, and so, so we get an outline of this chosen vessel of God, a man that was taught, that, that was, you know, had been instructed, that was very learned. I, that's what I'm telling you. There's takes people. We're all for education. But here's the thing. No more than you, you can't take education and make it the God. You can't take holiness and make it the God. You can't take a calling of a ministry and make it the God. There's only one God. Amen. And all these callings and elections and services. Amen that God operates through. You need all of these things. But when you come to a place, amen, that you let education and when education educates God out of it, you'd have been better off not to have no education and spent three years all along by yourself and got a revelation from God. I'm going to tell you something. You know why? Uh, the Pentecostal church, it got where it got so quick as it did because God took men that couldn't even read. But they got in old, in old wooded places and down by old stumps and began to pray and ask God. And they took that Bible and God began to teach them how to read and he taught them out of the word of God and at the same time he was teaching them how to read he was giving them the insight and the revelation you're not going to get that from man you got to get that from God the revelation of this one God message the plan of salvation and have a walk with God hey I'm going to preach to you about it tonight you got to have a personal relationship with God and without that personal relationship you got to find yourself one day when no friends can help you you got to find yourself one day amen you can have a big hot hot service and all the power of movement, but it won't help you. You've got to have a personal relationship and walk with God if you're going to do what God wants you to do. Not only that, you will not make it to heaven without it. So this brings us to the next part of the lesson. The new birth. The new birth. This is Nicodemus. Nicodemus is a teacher. He's one of the, I forgot the exact number, 
the Sanhedrin. And he comes to Jesus at night. Different opinions about that. I don't guess it really matters. Uh, you know, he came to Jesus at least. He knew who to come to. And, and when he addressed the Lord, when you go to John 3, and, and he said, hey, we know you. We know, we know you. You know, you, you don't regard man. In other words, positions of men, I, I hate to say they don't impress you, but they don't mean nothing when it comes to salvation. Okay? They don't mean anything. It, it, it doesn't it, it, it give you any benefits. And so immediately, Jesus is going to carry him to the place of how to see and to enter into the kingdom of God. <laughs> Even as you, Nicodemus, as a teacher, you've got to come through this. There's, there's, there's teachers out there that can outquote me, outdo a lot of things. But they can't tell you about the plan of salvation. They can't tell you how to see or enter to the kingdom of God. And on that judgment day, folks, I'm going to tell you, I hate to be this way, but I'm telling you without this foundation, I don't see any other way outside the Scripture. If God works it out, and I've told some of this, if everybody goes to heaven, I'm not going to complain one bit. <laughs> that suits me. That's God's business. But I don't see it happening. Not if you believe this is the Word, and it's forever settled. God's bound to His Word, ladies and gentlemen. That's... So, Nicodemus came, gives a question who he was, and he said, we know you're sent from God. What does Jesus do immediately? He takes him from all the teaching, all that, all that. He takes him to what? He takes him straight to how to be born. Jesus answered and said unto him, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Born again. We've heard people make the statement about the water and the natural birth and Born again. Okay. He cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very differently, I say unto you, Except a man be born of the water and of the spirit. Notice the word spirit's capitalized there. That spirit's not of the man's spirit. That spirit is of the God himself. That's the spirit he's talking about. We must be born again. Why is that so important? What did we lose in the garden? We lost a personal relationship with God. This New Testament being born again brings that personal sh that relationship back to us. That's the reason it's a must. Or you can't please Him. So. We see even here as Nicodemus responded to it even from the carnal mind. And he questioned, how can a man enter a second time? That's not it. He's going to be born again of water and of spirit. So we begin to see the direction, the process, amen, of how to be born again. So we find here a pattern that's throughout the book of Acts. Amen. You see it in Acts 2. You see it in Acts 8. You see it in Acts 10. You see it in Acts 19. You see it for the Jews. You see it for the Samaritan, which is a mixed multitude of people. And you see it for the Gentiles. That covers every face, amen, or every, every uh, uh, group of people, and whatever everybody wants to claim to be. That covers them all. You're going to fall under the one of the three categories. That's just all it is to it. 
It don't matter who you are, where you come from, who you think you are, and who you think you are, and who you want to be. <laughs> you could change all that if you want to, but I'm going to tell you that still the same plan is for everybody. The book of Acts covers that so well. Amen. And so as we watch this, amen, it transform, take place. Now watch this, Luke 15 and 10. What the first one, but he talks about repentance. What happens in the heavens when one sinner repents? The angels rejoice in the heavens over more so than over the 99 righteous that needs no repentance. So we, we, we begin to really understand what, what happens in the heavens, what happens to God, what happens even upon the face of the earth when this individual reaches this point of amen of being called out of darkness into his marvelous light. Amen. And so now as newborn babes, we are to what? To grow up. To grow up in Him. And so this kind of puts us about where we're at uh, as far as the lesson itself. And so I'm going to bypass some of this and we're just going to look into, uh, let's, let's look at some of that. Uh, I know I didn't cover some of these scriptures and maybe, maybe we'll get to come back to some of them. I don't know. We'll just see. But when you look at the writings of, of the Apostle Peter here, uh, you're going to see some things uh, really begin to happen and unfold. And I want to start at the beginning of that particular chapter as well as the, the, the text itself. Uh, we studied a good bit about the last chapter last week. But now you come into the second chapter. Actually, the heading of mine says the people of God. And understand now, he's writing to uh, those that's been scattered. And uh, he's writing to... People to help them understand what's had, what's taken place, what Jesus Christ has brought into them. And I don't have time to go back to the first chapter, so we're just going to go into the second. Wherefore, in laying aside what? All malice. Not some, not part, justified, unjustified, all. So, so here we are, as born again, uh, called out darkness into light. The Apostle Peter, amen, we, we liken him unto the Apostle of the Jews. That you, hey, you got you to lay aside all malice. I'm going to tell you something. The Jews still had a problem. Even Peter struggled with it at times. Hmm. Certain people show up. He wanted to separate himself from others. God was holding on to a few. There was one God believer that was baptized in Jesus' name. They didn't have no problem eating with until somebody showed up. Shame on us. And when we can have conversation with this, but when somebody else shows up, all of a sudden, that we're too good for them or they're too good for us or whatever. We've been called out of darkness. We don't, we don't, we don't do that. We don't have isms and schisms. It's what the Bible says. No isms and schisms. None's no better than others. Everybody, everybody just deserves respect and honor. Even those that's called your enemy. Even those that ridicule you. Even those that you can't hardly stand them. We're a different kingdom. We've been called out. Wherefore, laying aside all malice, all guile, all hypocrisies, envies, and all evil speakings. Wow. <laughs> Help us, Lord. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that he may grow thereby. Having a passion, 
having a hunger and thirst for the Word of God, to read it, to study it. I encourage you at the start of this lesson, amen, these, these Sunday school, but take them home with you. Read them, study them. How many of you study a Sunday school lesson? Confession is good for the soul. You'd be shocked how much more you'd gain reading these Sunday school lessons. Some you may like, some you may not like. Some you might agree, and some of it you may not agree with. But you don't agree with everything I say. Okay? Guess what? I don't agree with everything you say either. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, we're not going to fall out and make a hell of heaven issue out of it. And, uh, surely not. We shouldn't. So, as you watch this, and the writer actually talks about that, and, and, and so let's, let's look at that for just a second. He says, we grow spiritually much like we do physically. You know, we start out with bottles and pacifiers and people changing our diapers, and we can boo-hoo and cry and eat and make a mess, and somebody else cleans it up. Kind of accept it, but if we keep on doing it long enough, and after a while we start getting, you know, ah, ah. So don't do that. How much more does our Heavenly Father love us? Uh -uh. I said not do that. <laughs> uh -uh. I said not to do that. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Some of us didn't do better like this. Did I say not to do that? <laughs> Get our attention first. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, and it happens, Pop. It happens to all of us. You know, sometimes you ever hear, boy, they hit me right square through the eyes. <laughs> Woo! But anyway, that's way, but that's how we're going to grow. That's how we're going to grow. No one's exempt. You say you ain't never been chastened with the Lord or chastened by God? That means he's not your father. You know, I've heard people say, yeah, I was so good as a child. My parents never whipped me. I got a different opinion of that. <laughs> Boy, that went over good, didn't it? <laughs> Woo, praise God. But anyway, all right, here we go. <laughs> so so we, we learn from the Word of God. We start out, we go to Sunday school, and he talks about some of the basic things and, you know, knowing Daniel and different things, that and how true all that is. But we want to move from that, don't we? We don't want to just stay on the bottle. <laughs> now, I still like milk. But I don't want it in a bottle. I'm not sure if I could get it out of a bottle. Not as I can take the lid off. <laughs> but I love milk now. But that's not the only thing I want. I, I don't know. I don't, think, I don't think my system can handle off of just milk now. In fact, all of our systems reach a point in a place that, that it won't satisfy us as long. And all of a sudden it dawns on mama says, you know what? If you put a little cereal in that milk. They won't cry in years often. They might sleep a little longer at night, you know, instead of waking up every two hours. You put a little cereal in that milk that may last a little longer. Ah, right, come on now, preach it to us. If you get a little deeper in this, if you fall in a little more love with this, if you get more anchored in this, settled in this, I tell you, you won't be so, you won't be so. Ah, uh, this will hold you. Word of God will hold you. When nothing else can hold you, the Word of God will hold you. When all the world's coming against you, the Word of God will hold you. When the devil and all these devils come against you, the Word of God will hold you. 
word. It's the word. And so we got to love it. We got to honor it. We got to read it. Now, I told you to read your lesson, didn't I? Let me read this part. Because <laughs> he talks on, he talks about taking time to walk with God. You know, before you go out to walk in your life, you got to walk with God. You got to walk with God. You got to walk with Him before, you know. But, but he goes on, he talks about different things. And then he says, he talks about the Word of God. He said, we need to feed ourselves on the Word of God throughout the week, not just on, week, on the weekend. Open up the Bible in a version you understand and your pastor recommends. If you're going to buy one Bible, you buy the King James Version. That's the Bible I recommend. Now, if you want to use some others for study, that's a different ball game. But if you're going to buy one and you're going to get started and the one's all you're going to get to buy, you go buy that King James Version. And that's what you buy. And as time allows and God allows, you can work on it. But you only use them as a study Bible and a study Bible only. Now, if I'm going to recommend you one today, I mean, if you want to buy a King James one, the Apostolic just put out one. Actually, Brother Wilson and them, PWF, it's called the Premier Study Bible. It'll bless you to go get it, to buy it. There's a lot of insight. The, it's, it's strictly written by one God believers. You'll be surprised of the insight. It can help you. A lot of verses that's never addressed across the pulpit. A lot of situations. And, and come on, let's all be honest with ourselves. Sometimes we just can't seem to recall or remember. And so we go back to the Scripture. And we go back and study it back out. And refresh and remember. Remind ourselves. And so that's, that's what we have to do. So he goes from that, he says, we have been chosen. We are a chosen generation. Is every generation chosen for their time, had to face their giants, their enemies, their dilemmas, their situations. So, so you and I. Probably our giant of today is technology. Man, it's, not, it's no more than like the computers that we dealt with a few years ago. Hadn't been pastoring long. In fact, I think Brooke was probably in the first grade or second, something like that. And right up here, the question was brought to us about computer and computer class. You came to me and didn't want to put your kids or a question about putting them in there. And I said, well, we better. So they're not going away. And I didn't know. I didn't realize what they was going to come to by then, but as I do now. But um, you, you can't hardly get a job. You can't, even, you can't even try to get a job without knowing something about a computer, without being get on it. So what you got to do? You got to be circumcised in your heart. You got to make up your mind. I'm going to do what I got to do on this business. Now, now, if you're using it for a means of playing, eating up your time and eating up your lunch, and it's doing the same thing as television. If you spend two or three hours on Facebook, and you haven't spent ten minutes of, of earnest, sincere prayer, you figure, you balance it out. If your husband or wife spends three hours on Facebook and don't talk to you, it walks in and says, hey, where's the supper at? I hadn't talked to him since Sunday night. We walk in and say, where's supper at? God says, well, I don't know you. 
I ain't talked to you in three or four days. You ain't talked to me. I can let that alone. <laughs> same principle. Works the same way. I don't want to walk with God that just whenever I'm in need, I, I call him. God, help me have a companionship with you. Help me have a walk with you. Let me love you for who you are. Because if I can love you when the times are good and, and have a relationship and companionship with you and times are good, I can depend on you in the times of the bad times. The times are when I feel like I can't make it and I can't reach you. You'll come and find me. So when you look at it, the scriptures here in this particular part of the lesson, you're going to notice. Let me just use the Bible. Go to Acts the 13th chapter. You're going to see a time in Paul's life. And I know my time's about up, but if you'll give me just a few more minutes here, I'd like to just drive home. Uh, now, we get the Holy Ghost and we become born again because why? We want to see and enter the kingdom of God. That's true. We want to go to heaven. Okay? But it's far more than that. Amen. As, as a vessel of God. Remember, a vessel now. A vessel. As much as Mary was used, others were called and used. You and I are being used to be witnesses of the Holy Ghost. Witnesses, witnesses amen, of being called out of darkness in His light. And, and how to live and how to conduct and how to... How to and, and it's all about pointing them to Jesus. It really is. Of the hope and the love and the experiences we have there in Him. Amen. And by Him. And so when you look back here at this 13th chapter of Paul. Amen. And I'm not going to go through all of it. But at the beginning of that chapter, they're at Antioch. They're making their way to Antioch. And finally they're called upon to, to if they want to say anything, they're at the synagogue. Apparently they then went through the little program or whatever. Now they're called on Paul and them. So Paul stands up. And I won't go through all of it, but he goes all the way back and he begins to preach to them and enlighten them of who they were, where they come from, what God done for them, how he brought them out of Egypt, what he, and the miracles and the, from David and the kings and the different things that he brings them. And he finally comes to that place. Uh, I believe it's about the about forty. Fourth verse, somewhere in that part, amen, with the congregation. So that's quite a bit, about, about 40 verses of preaching that he's done and brought him up to this point and place, okay? And so I know I, I missed a lot if you go back and read that, or maybe you've got it memorized. But now, and when the congregation was broken up, many of the Jews and religious proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who speaking to them persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. And the next Sabbath, day came almost the whole city together to hear what? The whole city come together to hear the word of God. They wanted to hear the word of God. Remember, just like it was in Samuel's time, there wasn't a Bible on everybody's coffee table. Okay? Uh, I'm not sure at this point in time if there was even a New Testament existing. And, and how many letters of the New Testament that come in handed to them? And so a lot of times, if not all the time in the New Testament, when it refers to scriptures, it's talking about the Old Testament. But they were, had been restricted, especially Gentiles. They couldn't get their hands on it. it was scribes and them. That, that's the reason when they come, you go back in the Old Testament with Ezra and them, they would come and they read the word of God to them. And they stood all day to hear the word of God. They didn't have it to take home. The only way they was going to take it home was in their own hearts. Their own ability to what they have heard and remembered. See how blessed we are? How blessed America is? 
to have such access and, and to the Bible, to the writing of the Word of God, to go back to it, to, to, to help us. And so they're coming back now on this Sabbath, back to the synagogue, and Paul lives there. And when the Jews saw the multitude, that they were, fill, they were filled with envy. See, the Jews thought, you know, that this Jehovah God was just their God. I mean, the writer makes it plain. We, we was a people. You know, at a time, we hadn't attained mercy. Read the rest of that uh, Peter writing in the lesson text and all. But, but now, you have attained mercy. That's the reason you and I need to show mercy. And try with all that's in us to help people, when they fall in the ditch, get back out of it. When they fall in the pitch, come on, you don't want to stay there. Come on, get back, get back, get back in the way. Repent, confess to God. And you got to do that. You got to have a godly sorrow. Not a cult sorrow, not a man's sorrow, but a godly sorrow. It's got to become a God thing. I'm taking you right back to the message tonight. The personal relationship. The person. Okay, watch it. What did David say? I sinned against you, God. That's what broke, smote his heart. <laughs> Read it. He said, you've received the mercies of David. What did David receive? He should have died. He should have stole him. Should have came to being king didn't exempt him from the law and being killed for the, for the adultery act that he put in the murdering and the, the, the direction he took. But God. God pushed it aside. The sure mercies of David. Now you and I as Gentiles, through the seed of David called Jesus Christ, the blood of the Lamb, the man called Jesus, the high priest that stands in for us, it intercedes. This reason John the writer says we have an advocate with the Father, the man Christ Jesus. And if we have make true confession, guess what? Get back. Get back. Get back. But the Spirit's got to get back. It can't just be an outward show. It can't be that I'm just going to show up on Sunday morning or, or go to mask and repent and the priest is going to take care of it and I can go right, right back out of there and just do what I want to do. It's a dangerous thing. It's a dangerous thing to walk in just like we did this morning. Amen. And to the holy place. The presence of God. Feel His love and touch and power. <laughs> but then walk right back out there and treat my fellow man. It's dangerous. Because now we're the Holy Ghost. We're the temple of that measure of it. Of that marvelous light and truth. Because envy... Strive, bitterness, jealousy will eat us up from the inside out. It means something to be a chosen vessel and to be that vessel that God's calling us to be. He goes on. They had moved the end and spake against the things which were spoken by Paul, interdicting and blaspheming. And Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, 
It was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you. Listen to the next part of this verse. But seeing he put it from you and judge yourselves unworthily of everlasting life. We presented, we preached it, it was demonstrated to you. But we can't make you take it. We can't make you believe it. your judgment that you decided that you didn't want. Because without, without this experience, you won't have everlasting life. He's talking to the Jews. He's talking to the chosen people of God. But now, but now they're required under this dispensation to repent, be baptized in Jesus' name, and fill with the Holy Ghost. And live... And overcoming life. You notice the two songs we sung today? First one talking about coming into his presence. And second one dealing with becoming overcomers. This is how we do it. Submitting ourselves unto him. And resisting the devil. At whatever cost. At whatever cost. And from that, he says, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles. I have set thee to be a light to the Gentiles. That thou shouldest be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as were ordained to enter into life, eternal life, believed. And the word of the Lord was published throughout all the regions. But the Jews stirred up, didn't stop them. They stirred up the devout women, caused a turmoil. To the point that they even drove Paul and Barnabas out of the city. Out of the city. A vessel of God to carry this gospel, to carry this truth. I know I didn't go into all the lesson. I didn't get to touch everything. I'd really love to. Time's up. And I mean, he's glad to be a chosen vessel this morning. Revelation of this truth. An experience of this truth. We don't say that is judgment toward anyone. We really don't. But it's still the word of God. It's still the foundation. The foundation's got to be laid right. That's what, you know. Jesus talks about that light. As you stand, you can stand this morning. He likens it unto a wise man that's willing to dig down and build his house upon a rock. That rock being Christ Jesus. That's how important the foundation is. The storms are going to come. The storms of life. The storms of the enemy. They're going to come. 
and the experience and walk with God will tell when the journey's over where we at. Chosen of God. Many are called. Whosoever will, let them come. But only a few are chosen. Let's be a chosen vessel today. How about that? God bless you. Love and appreciate you. You're dismissed in the fear of the Lord. All corral members be here at 430.